and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heidland, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. This podcast is born out of our friendship and all that the Lord is doing in our lives. You hear us laugh, you hear us cry, you hear us share very vulnerably, and you hear us talk about the things that we're still learning along the way, and you're most welcome to join us. You can find out all of our information on our podcast episodes on abidingtogetherpodcast.com. But for now, grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast, where we are already in part five of our Lenten series, the book, This Present Paradise, and we're going to talk about every act is love. I think one of the greatest acts of love right now would be for me to eat breakfast. I'm sorry. I'm just, am I being your Lent ladies? I'm starving. Like, I just, sorry. I'm just hungry. We've been recording for a while and it was all first thing in the morning. So I hear you, friend. I'm with you. I'm mm-hmm, with you in that. Mm-hmm. How are we doing? Um, Michelle, how are you doing? Almost, it's almost Easter, kind of, almost. We're working on it, you know. I see the horizon. I see the dawn about to break, but mm-hmm. I am, yeah, I'm hanging in there. It is good, you know. It's still Lent though. I'm ready for Lent. You know, but we have to go through the whole process, don't we? We We can't get to Easter Sunday without Good Friday, and we can't get to the whole Tritium without going through the desert, people. But can we just have a water break? I want a water break. I just want a water break. (laughs) Can that water break include gluten? Just wondering. Just asking for a friend. And and sweet tart jelly beans. Yes, we're just funny. Our listeners are probably like, stop complaining. But, you know, hey, the struggle is real, people. We're just keeping it real. We are flesh. This is just Uh, how it is, friends. This is just how it is. Yep. So we are going to, if you want to join us, we are going to talk about episode or chapters 27 to 33 on this episode. And like, as we usually do, we'll hit a certain, some of, some of the highlights and then leave some of the Easter eggs, metaphorically speaking, for you to find yourself as you journey through the chapters. So we're going to start on page 145, and we're going to use the quote there from the book, uh, Spiritual Combat, which is really beautiful. He says, a single action, even the least and most insignificant done with a view of pleasing God alone and of glorifying Him, is worth infinitely more, so to speak, than many actions in themselves of the greatest value and worth that spring from other motives. <laughs> so, so many saints, of St. Therese talks about this, St. John of the Cross talks about this, and that, you know, that every act is love, that the smallest act done with love is greater than the, the biggest, quote-unquote, biggest act done for other motives. And so, I think that's what we're going to journey through when we talk about suffering, we talk about praying for priests, we talk about the hidden life, we talk about a lot of things in these chapters, but the fact that every act done with love is the most efficacious act. So, Michelle, you want to jump in there and kind of talk about for you as we journey through these chapters and that reality of acts done with love, how does that frame how you saw the chapters and kind of what the Lord is doing in your life? I love it. I love what Claire brings into, like in chapter 27, she says, She's talking about the two Carmelites have a complimentary mission to the laity today. You too, they seem to say, have a life filled with opportunities to turn nothings into treasures. Mm. Look beyond the apparent smallness of the stuff of your life. See beneath it. It is weighted with eternity. It is infused with grace. It is waiting only for your yes, for its real power to be unleashed. And you will feel the tremendous force of love when the dam breaks in your soul and you're carried by the current of your hidden acts straight into the heart of Jesus, when all the rivers of the soul, which are so immense, they already resemble seas, go to lose themselves in the ocean of divine love. 
I mean, it's page one forty-seven mm. and one forty-eight. If you're using the book, but yes, thank you. Um, fire, fire. Mm-hmm. Like I love the whole part of the hidden axe straight into the heart of Jesus, mm. and I've been really contemplating that. You know, the last couple of days when after reading this chapter, and it's just been more and more. And I had a really good conversation with a, a dear friend of ours, and he's in the seminary, and we were talking about the hidden life and the hidden acts. And he was just talking about the purification process and all of that. That he's used to be going out and about, and he's a person that's been on many stages and stuff like that. And he said, "No one applauds you in the hidden life." <laughs> and I thought that was such what? a great line. What? He's like, "No one mm-hmm. applauds or affirms you in the hidden life." And so I asked him, I said, "But." Does the Holy Spirit applaud you and affirm you in the hidden life. And he was like, touche, touche. But I am, but our, he and I, our temperaments are very similar. And we were talking about that, but like, I want someone to say, Hey, good job. You know, like mm-hmm. I always say, feed me and tell me I'm pretty, you know, come on, you know, affirm me in this. <laughs> and, but it is the hidden acts, but those hidden acts, when they are transformed or done in the right disposition, they are what really is like the embers that burn the Lord's fire. And how do I love the people that are right in front of me? And how do I love them well, especially in the hidden and unseen ways? Just been really convicted of that because I always say I love the God of grand gestures, but really the majority of the spiritual life is the God of the little, small, beautiful, ordinary things. Mm-hmm. So how do we really enter into that, this Lent? Mm-hmm. Or not even enter into this Lent, how do we make that a part of our whole spiritual journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's such a focus in the world on like the stage, the platform, the, you know, being a influencer, like we just see it all over the place, everybody posting everything publicly. And it really taps into like a deep desire of every human being to be seen for who we are and to be to be known, but to be cherished, like in the deepest parts of who we are. And I love this part where she said just before what you were reading, Michelle, she was faced with like being a nobody in the midst of people who were somebodies. And she just said, I decided then and there sitting in my suburban to be the best nobody I could be. And I think there's something so powerful about that, just embracing our littleness and embracing where we are and what we're not. And and that there's power there that when we enter fully into those little places and the hidden places, like it says later on, that's where saints are made. And I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. I think saints are made in the hidden places. Who cares if you can get up on a stage? We've seen this far too often in the church, like cross-boundary churches, not just the Catholic church, every church leaders who are up on big stages. And we come to find out that they are living, you know, duplicitous lives that are full of sin and mm-hmm. and pain, you know, and that, are, that have hurt a tremendous amount of people. And I think, oh, Lord, like, can we just... It make me always like really deeply connected and authentic with you in all of the hidden places because that's where it matters. It doesn't matter what people see on the stage. What matters is what is happening within our own hearts Mm -hmm. in our union with the Lord. Like we said last time, this is the whole point of it all is union with the Trinity. And so if that isn't happening in the hidden places, there's no way that you can bring that anywhere else. You know, like we can't truly love other people if we're not cultivating love with the lover in the hidden places, like then it just comes out of like maybe actions or good deeds. Mm-hmm. But when it's infused with the power of he who is love himself, that mm-hmm. is that transforms people's lives, you know. And so, yeah, I think for most of my life, I've always felt like I'm on the B team and I, I'm, I'm 
good with that. Like I want to be the best B team person that God has ever had, you know, because that's where he's called me to be. That's where I'm called to be faithful to him. And in those places where you feel small and when he does expand your territory, then you can lean into this dependence on him because, you know, you don't have what it takes. It's not about you. You know, you become comfortable with littleness. And I think those are the people that I look up to the most, Mm -hmm. like who have influence and who have like large territories, large kingdoms or whatever, but they are fully dependent on the Lord and it's not about them. Mm -hmm. It's about him. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that in every part of my life. Like that's really something that I long for. And I bump into my sin and my pride and my Oh, like reckless desires all the time, but that is truly what I want. Mm-hmm. Is I, I want, I want it to be about Him in all the places. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, that's so lovely. And what Claire explains for us on page one forty seven, she talks about that very thing, and she says Elizabeth of the Trinity, as one of the first followers of Saint Therese, also tried to do absolutely everything in a spirit of self self forgetfulness and love. Remember, mm-hmm. she had started this habit as a young girl and had it transformed it had transformed her stubborn temperament. This theme of humility and embracing the little things in life is so important that it is worth it is worth revisiting in her adult years. That tr- that truth of of that th- that's reality. Can we just talk about humility for a second? I, I mean, what you're talking about, ladies, is that's that's humility is reality mm-hmm. of who God is and who He and I, you know, and that I'm not Him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, this is who I am, and this is the truth of who I am, and I am in, in desperate need of a Savior in every place in my life, in desperate mm-hmm. need, and I think that's what I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast before, and. I I I've, I still believe it. I I believed it then, and I still believe it. I really believe that people, to borrow a very cliched saying, at the end of the day, don't want to meet us, so to speak. They want to meet Christ. They want to have a living encounter with the living Lord Jesus through us. Yes, but people want to encounter Jesus Christ, and those all those places in our hearts where we where we depend on the Lord because that's reality. And allowing His love to breathe His fragrance through the particular instrument that is our soul is a stunning melody that is part of a larger symphony of, of mankind. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, you know, it gets discordant when I try to play my own note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I want to play my own note, and I want to play it when I want to play it, and I want to do it how I want to do it, because mm-hmm. I am so little inside, I don't even know who I am. That that seems like the best way to me. But the places where we've talked about this so often is the places are of our intense poverty and our vulnerability, where we those places that we just know. I'm like, would that we knew that in every part of our life, because that's really what gives birth to true joy, where Jesus wants to bring us. He's like, I give you my joy, like my so my joy may be complete in you, so that my life is lived in you. And his song is sung in us. It's not to the eradication, the annihilation of who we are. It's actually the melding of the lovers. It's the song of the lovers. It becomes a duet of a harmony of captivating resonance. Mm. There's a quote by Henry Now, and it says, precisely where I feel my poverty, I discover God's blessing. Oh, girl. Yeah. Mm. And that is just it, because I think we've talked about this before in the last couple episodes. What I think about like the St. Augustines and the Mary Magdalene's and how they became such great saint is because they knew of their sinfulness, but they knew of God's redemption even greater than their sinfulness. And they experienced mm-hmm. God's love there. And it just blew their minds that He could love them in that place. And it wasn't condemning themselves. It was 
appraising his gloriousness, his magnificent love, his, you know, pursuit of their hearts. You know, if you ever look at Augustine, you know, the beautiful, oh, how late have I loved you. I mean, that mm-hmm. is a heart's cry of a lover, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. just so beautiful. I mean, it gets right up there with Mr. Darcy, you know, like in Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. you know, you have bewitched mm-hmm. me body and soul. That is it, you know, because mm-hmm. they know it is the pursuit of the lover and that he loves them in spite of everything. And yeah, I think there's something beautiful about that. I think there's something beautiful that when we experience that kind of love and pursuit, and I think this Lent more than any other, it's just been coming to terms with my own humanity. Mm. And then I've said before on the podcast, like, ooh, that's not pretty. Mm. But hey, this is fertile ground for the Lord to move. Amen. You know, this mm-hmm. is where He can bloom and redeem some beautiful things in my heart, my life. And it's actually revealed my pride, you know, in more ways than whether like, oh my goodness. And it's actually revealed my deep deep need for a savior. Like uh, there's a desperateness and a dependence on him that I have been awakened mm-hmm. to like never before. Like, I mean, I just am like, I, I was reading the gospel story about the hemorrhaging woman and it was like an epiphany came out this week. I'm like, I get it. I get why she was so desperate that she grabbed onto him. Like, I get it now. And I thought mm-hmm. I had gotten it before, but now like I get it into the depths of my soul. Like, oh man, I just need you to heal this. Oh man, I just need mm-hmm. you, your touch. I need your presence. I need you fully and tangibly in my life mm-hmm. right now. And that's what he wants mm-hmm. from us, you know, to be desperate mm-hmm. lovers of him. Yeah. And and to have that happen, you have to be vulnerable and in a place of honesty. Yep. You have to be mm-hmm. willing to be exposed, mm-hmm. you know, to when two lovers come together, they have to be willing to to be exposed before one another, totally vulnerable, not just physically, but emotionally, like everything, you know, is supposed to be nothing hidden between two lovers. And, and it is that way with the Lord. And I think that as we allow God to come into these hidden places, these small places, these broken places, like that's where we are transformed, where character is built, where maturity happens, where he, he then can shape us into who we were meant to be and people who, who then can be entrusted with his kingdom, you know, different parts of his kingdom here and and what an honor you know what a what an incredible privilege to to be entrusted with something from the lord to steward well and and we can't do that unless these these things within our character are being forged in the fire of of the hidden life you know mm-hmm. it's hard to be in the hidden places mm-hmm. it's so hard it's so hard to stay there like sometimes we just want to run into places where it's like oh it's safer here it's more comfortable here but the beauty that comes from those places is unmatched and you mm-hmm. can't find it anywhere else. You can't make it happen. You can't fast forward through that part. Mm-hmm. Like this is where it, it has to be lived out. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the, the forging of the fire, yes, is th- that's analogy used on so many different levels. And that's the only way through <laughs> it. Like the maturing of love, like we talked about in the last episode mm-hmm. about the maturing of love through consolation and desolation. And, and I think that is, it just has these, sh- like, I think Heather, you said last time, and both of you said it recently about how just in different stages of our life or d- how the seasons of our life, the Lord reveals different things. And I, I just had something happen to me recently. And I, you know, we all know, like the three of us, we've spoken at different conferences and, and things like that, or, you know, we have a public podcast. And I think anytime you say something in public, you take a risk that whatever you're going to say, people can make any comment they want <laughs> about it. And so mm-hmm. we've all, we've shared stories of just having really awkward moments with people after a talk of just the random stuff they say. And, and yeah, we just, and you just kind of like chalk that up of like, okay, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to hit every heart in the audience or people hear through their own filter. And 
But I just had the Lord just uncover something to my own heart recently because sometimes after a talk, I just people saying random things. But many times when people hear my story or they, I just share, you know, very honestly, people, it, it, it will happen every now and then somebody will come to me and be like, you know what? I just, you're really wounded. And I'm just, I'm just really going to pray for you. Like you just really need the love of healing, oh. the healing love of God. And, and at first I would get really like defensive, but then now I'm like, well, amen. You go, like you go, you go right ahead because I'm so grateful. And mm-hmm. just recently I had somebody else in front of a bunch of other people say something similar to that. And I found myself, I was mortified. Like I could find, I could just feel, you talk about the forge of the fire and mm-hmm. I could feel my anxiety rising. And I, I could see my deflection of what they were saying. And I, and I, it was like real time, like, okay, Lord, what's happening to me right now? And then somebody else kind of come around and said something very similar of, of that and of, you know, pointing out my imperfections. And, and I was just sitting there in front of everybody. And I, I'm just like praying, like praying, praying, praying. And I tell you this, I, in that moment where I was just really praying, like to make the right decision and asking Jesus to speak to me, the Lord revealed to me that I still had a lie in my heart that in my heart, I feel like I still have to be perfect to be loved. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that if I'm not perfect, nobody's going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you just the astounding, because I've worked through that lie a lot of perfectionism, of performance. But I was like, oh, like people, I don't know the disposition of these people's hearts. They didn't mean anything untoward by it. But the Lord used that forging of the fire to reveal to me. I'm like, so I was standing there and I was like, just praying through, like renouncing that lie of, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I have to be perfect to be loved. Or if that I have imperfections or weaknesses that somehow it means I'm less than, or that I have to have it all. It was so deep in my heart because it's been such a long story for me that through that, through that experience, the Lord so kindly in his gentleness was like, I'm just trying to get at this. So you can, you can release that now. You know, mm. you can release that now. And I didn't even know that was still in my heart. I had no idea. I was like, I did not know that. I did not know that that was still there. And so just praying with those places of letting things be done in love, that no matter what are people's dispositions are, you know, whatever they, you know, these, but like, Lord, what are you doing in this? And what are you trying to reveal to me? Like, where's your love encountering me here where I need to, I need to experience communion with you because there's parts of my heart I don't even know. Like, you know? Mm. Gosh, that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's a vulnerable Mm. place. And sister, like what I'm so struck by is the beauty of like, there was like so many different things you could have done in that moment. You could have totally <laughs> I thought about like, all of them, <laughs> yeah, tore a strip off of them. You could have been like, hey, listen, I'm going to call out all your sins. Let me get down and write some stuff in the sand here, you know, or whatever in the dirt. Like you could have gone a, a hundred different directions, but for you to take that internal pause, like you went to the cloister of the heart, mm-hmm. you went to where Jesus was. And you're like, Jesus, what are you trying to say to me right now about whatever is happening here? It's like you, you went to him to speak about your identity and who you are, not, you know, just like fighting back in that moment. Like that's, wow, the maturity involved there, but the beauty of that, I'm really mm-hmm. struck by. Thank you for mm-hmm. sharing that. And I think those places of poverty and are, are the hidden places aren't God's signs of his displeasure or punishment. Mm-hmm. They're signs of invitation to look deeper. Like you went, leaned into your story and said, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying in this moment? Mm-hmm. Where it would be mm-hmm. easy to put a wall up in your heart and say, I'm shutting down. But instead mm-hmm. you made a gate 
for the way mm-hmm. for Jesus and the Holy Spirit to walk through. Now, me as your friend wants to know those people and beat them up, but that's okay. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm like, where's my brass knuckles? Uh, but, you know, like whatever. But yeah, and so, but I'm just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you did not. But we can make gates to those places, or we can make walls mm-hmm. and let let us make gates and go deeper. You know, because the Lord mm-hmm. is inviting us into more. And I love that with the deeper intimacy of knowing our hidden places and deeper intimacy, like she goes on in this chapter, the chapters that precede it is like really to learn how to be a mother according to the Spirit and learning how to pray. You know, there's yes. both of us. I love yes. that when the apostles, I, I love this part, when they, you know, on chapter 31, teach us to pray. Like, I, that is one of my favorite lines in Scripture is teach us to pray. He does not say, Lord, teach us how to grow programs or teach us how to do this or teach us how to market on Instagram or teach us how to do all this come. He says, no, first and foremost, they ask, teach us to pray because it is a love relationship. It's a communion. It's like, basically, teach me how to talk to you. And allow me, teach me how to learn how to be loved by you and to dive deeper into this and to really pour our hearts to the Lord and have Him pour His back out to us. And with both of those, she builds upon, which I think this is so pivotal and crucial to our church and our world right now, is especially for for all of us, but there's a special unique call, I think, for women to learn the beautiful gift to pray for our priests. And about... Three years ago, when the scandals hit again, because they've hit a couple of times, I actually experienced some of the worst of the priesthood. Not personally, like there was no um, personal attack, but I was just privy to a couple of situations and conversations and just Mm -hmm. saw the absolute worst of the priesthood. And my heart was broken. And I have a dear friend whose family was severely and almost like I have to say it diabolically Mm -hmm. um, came under attack by a priest and abused a member of their family and just had been with them for a while through this journey. And my heart was just broken. And that is when the actually the Four Women Doctors of the Church series that we have done was born out of that. And I remember being in front of the Blessed Sacrament praying and just like, Lord, I'm just heartbroken. Like, I don't know if I can stay like in this mm-hmm. church much longer. Like this is just so corrupt and so it was just so ugly and just the brutality of it and the ugliness of it. And I felt like a whisper to my spirit of the Lord is like, I will start to highlight and bring to you different priests to pray. Will you pray for them? Start praying for priests. And I will highlight mm-hmm. some and start bringing them to you. And I felt it was a real invitation to the Lord. And, you know, and so I was like, and so I was like, yes, I will. And in that time, the Lord has been so true to his word. He has brought several priests to me to really pray for and to intercede for and to sacrifice for and to see the fruit of their ministry out of the prayer. And I feel like it's a Mm co-collaboration. It is a real sisterhood. I feel like, yes, parts of it is like a spiritual motherhood, but then I'm like, I'm not that old to be your mama. Oh, yeah, part of it like it's a <laughs> spiritual sisterhood, you know, but it is a maternal act because it is bringing forth mm-hmm. life in the kingdom. It is a maternal act because it is sacrifice mm-hmm. to bear life for the kingdom. But... If the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our faith, we have to be praying for our priest. And it is really easy to be critical of them, mm-hmm. but our first posture has to be to pray and guard them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally agree, Michelle. I really don't think there's anything much more important in the world today than praying and offering for our priests, because if men stop saying yes or men lead the priesthood, the world ceases to exist as we know it. I just, 
I could go on and on about this, my deepest love. And I, I love one page 159, she has this whole chapter on, you know, to be an apostle with you. And she talks about uh, praying for priests. And she says, this, art, this is so stunning. She said, have priests and seminarians ever needed our prayers more? Have these men in the front lines ever needed spiritual backup as they do now? Have they ever faced such cultural hostility, pressures from within and without the church, incessant temptation from the enemy of souls who seeks to distort the image of Christ in the priest? She's like, it's our job to beg down graces on these men, to preserve their vocations, to multiply the fruits of their labor, and to strengthen their resolve and call them to greatness. I recently heard a young priest thoughtfully answer the question, what do priests need today? And he answered, we don't need comfort, we need courage. Mm. And I think, you know, we, I think we've off, we've also often said this, you know, do we pray for people as much as we criticize them? <laughs> so if we're going to criticize your priest, you better start praying for him, better start fasting for him because they're people too. And they need help. And they're, they're men who have real stories and real lives and real brokenness and real beauty. And, and for me, I think that's the most important thing we can do is to pray for them because they're in persona Christi on earth. They love in a way that nobody else can love. And without them, the world as we know it ceases to exist. I, I just, yes, yes, and yes, and yes, mm -hmm. and yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. Amen. I don't even have anything else to say about that. I'm just in agreement with both of you. And, you know, we have had the blessing of having many friends of ours who are priests or have become priests. And we've been able to be, a you know, a, a home of refuge for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a certain... Uh, aspect of maternity, like you said, Michelle, that that we can offer no matter and this maternity, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, but in case you haven't heard it before, isn't just, you know, physical motherhood or you have to be married to experience maternity. Like this is the call of every woman that there is a, a maternal gift that we all are invited to share with the world. And and God will invite us to do that in very specific ways with different people. And I think that that gift of maternity that we can offer to priests is in like the nurture and care at like the prayers of a mother, you know, like... Like Gosh, for, yeah. for children, like, I, I mean, it's not like there are children, you know, per se, mm -hmm. but there's just this maternal quality that each woman has that they're able to offer as a gift to the world. And I think specifically for our priests, there's some things in there about sensitivity to the person, mm -hmm. a generosity of our time and our prayers that, that are really necessary. So I think one of the beautiful things the Holy Spirit is doing in the church right now is to almost a more familial model of the church. I agree. Where it is brothers and sisters and yeah, spiritual mothers and fathers, and it looks all together. We are meant for communion, mm -hmm. and that is the example that we are given by the Trinity. And I was just so convicted because like a couple of you know years ago when I was even starting to pray for the church, and really the Lord was really doing a deep work in my whole heart about the church. You know, seeing that her humanness and her her ugliness, but seeing her beauty and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was a warning from the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, you cannot criticize her and allow her her restoration and redemption also. Like choose which side you're going to be on, yep. you know. Mm -hmm. And Teresa Avila says, you know, behind each priest, there is a demon fighting for his fall. If we have the language to criticize him, we must have twice as much to pray for them, you know? Amen. And so there's a conviction Amen. for us. Now, does that mean that we don't hold our priest accountable? Heck no, we still do. We hold all of us accountable. They're, we're all called mm -hmm. to our responsibility and holiness, but mm -hmm. there is a desire to pray mm -hmm. and there is a desire to really see and call out the beauty, you know, yes. in these vocations and all of that above. And mm -hmm. I think there is a responsibility to women to be true life givers in this situation to come forth with that, with our priests. And it's just such a, yeah, 
like the Lord is doing something new in all of this. And I just feel very mm-hmm. convicted about this with just a resurgence of a maternal, you know, feminine genius to come into mm-hmm. the church like we have never seen before. You know, mm-hmm. I feel very strongly. So, And I think it's going to call forth the masculine genius in Amen. a new yeah. way that yeah. is going to be. And those things coming together in a complementary way are I think going to transform the church. I agree. Really. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Even though our good friend, Father Mark Mary, can't stand the term masculine genius, he thinks that we need to know another phrase for him. So, <laughs> Father Mark Mary, you can come up with another phrase if you want something better. Anyway. I love the masculine genius. That That's very true. I mean, the a spiritual attack upon priests and, and the enemy seeking their destruction because he knows who they truly are. And you see women at the cross. You see Mother Mary. You see the women of Jerusalem that follow Christ at Calvary. There's like that, there's a particular just really gift that we as women have as life bearers. And if you don't know how to pray for your priest, just entrust him to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. <laughs> just say, Jesus and Mary, I offer my priest to you. I don't know what to do. I don't know what he needs. I don't even know where to start. But just to continue to pray rosary for him, to offer your Eucharist for him, um, place him in the hearts of Jesus and Mary and ask for his restoration for it. And, you know, so the deepening of his own heart and I know we're almost out of time here, but I love, which is, I think it's great that Claire put these chapters side by side about praying Mm -hmm. for your priest and motherhood in the spirit, because on page 164, uh, she talks about, she quotes Mother Teresa speaking um, on the United Nations Conference on Women in Beijing and from, or she wrote a letter in, in 1995, but it says, a woman's motherhood is God's most precious gift to her because through it, she loves in a way that mirrors his. It is a woman's superpower, this power of loving. And so, and so God, in anticipation of the lies the enemy would sow, raises up icons of Our Lady, of Our Mother, in the bouquet of women and saints. And he says, here, here is motherhood. Here is women who reflect beautifully this restorative, redemptive kind of love that gives life to the world. And that, in, in, a, in the essence, the mater, ma, maternity is the most mature identity of a woman. And it's the natural outflowing of love, both, like you're saying, Heather, both biologically but spiritually. You know, it said that Mary conceived Jesus in her heart before she conceived him in her womb. And that's the call of, of every woman. And that's the, the outflowing. Like, and that's the tenacity of when I, when I watch Our Lady accompany Jesus to the cross. Like just this tenacity of a mature love poured out, the love that stands by, a love that suffers, a love that offers, a love that is restorative, a love that is respectful, a love that is beautiful. Is that, mm-hmm. is that, is that not the most terrifyingly beautiful thing you've ever seen? <laughs> mm-hmm. And just the, I, you know, I love the movie Steel Magnolias. I think we've all seen it like a million times, but I just, I, I, I love that scene, you know, these women and, you know, for all of its foibles, but you know, it's, but like at the end when, um, What's her name now? I forget. Sally Fields, when she's t- lamenting her daughter's death, and she's like, I was here when that beautiful creature came into the world, and I was there when she left. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like that power, the tenacity of a woman's love, uh, she suffers differently than man. Mm-hmm. She has different gifts than man. And it's the restoration of both the masculine and the feminine genius that is key to healing the whole world, which is why the enemy wants to seek to destroy it at all costs. But it, it's thing, and it happens within us, it starts within us. That's where the Lord begins always in the inner cloister. That's why we keep going back to that. One of my boys is reading John Steinbeck's book for East of Eden for a class right now. And we were talking about it, but we were talking about the quote. There's one of my favorite quotes comes from that book. And it says, I believe a strong woman may be stronger than a man, particularly if she happens to have love in her heart. And he says, I guess a loving woman is indestructible. 
And I just love that line. I was like, that is a good line. And it's not Mm -hmm. stronger in the sense of like, I am woman, hear me roar, you know, stronger, you know, like uh, that kind of sense is stronger in her vulnerability. It is stronger in her generosity. Mm -hmm. It is stronger in her receptivity. It's stronger in her sensitivity. That is a woman. Mm -hmm. And I was telling a good Mm -hmm. priest friend of ours about a podcast I was listening to, and it was talking that a vulnerable, fully embodied woman is one of the most dangerous things in the earth because it makes men step up, almost like the quality that Fulton Sheen says, men rise or fall to the caliber of women in the civilization. You know, well, I think there is a invitation that the Lord is calling to what does it really mean to unlock and unleash the feminine genius in its purest and truest form. And that invitation brings forth life. It is like a domino effect. When that happens, mm-hmm. the other dominoes fall and get in order to what the kingdom needs to be. And I think it mm-hmm. is for such a time as this that, that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is appointing all of us to say and heed yes to this invitation. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, you know, it's beautiful that even the world is recognizing that that the strength and dignity of women in the in in our society today. But there's also at the same time like a very big twist yes. that's mm-hmm. there that's going yes. on where the power of a woman has to be elevated by stepping on men mm-hmm. or sometimes on each other. Mm-hmm. And and these are things that I think we have to be wary of. That when we look for examples of what it means to be a powerful woman, that that has to be motivated by love, Mm -hmm. that all of the power needs to come from a place of love and where the intention isn't for selfish desires, but the intentions are pure, Mm -hmm. you know, that the intentions are really geared towards the other. So I think that the Lord is raising up beautiful women who are powerful and who whose hearts of love are fierce, you know, mm. and those are the women that I want to look to as examples for myself. Mm. Amen. 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 And like I love that's the love that that suffers and that rises again, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary's there at the suffering, but man, she's also there at the resurrection. You better believe it. <laughs> that's uh, stunning. So stunning. Well, I feel like there's a million other things we could talk about, ladies. But is there anything else before we? And we're going to have to end our conversation somewhere. We're going to have Claire with us next week. So if you join us for episode six, we're going to have Claire who wrote the book. I cannot wait to hear from her and just hear as mm-hmm. she sees the chapters and what was going on in her heart. We So we I have a very special, special guest, obviously, in Claire uh, next week. But maybe as we finish our discussion, ladies, anything you want to add as we finish, go into our one things and finish that time? No, and like we said before, like just each chapter is packed with so much goodness yes. that to stay and just to marinate in what the Holy Spirit highlights to you. And like mm-hmm. the even the ending chapter, Laura, the one that you love is sick. It goes deeper mm-hmm. into what Sister was just talking about, just to, what, the power of redemptive suffering, the power of loving mm-hmm. and suffering, and that even in suffering, there is a redemptive, powerful aspect to it that transforms the world. And so just to look at each and every chapter and see, and I love hearing about all of you that you are meeting as groups, hearing about your discussions Mm -hmm. and all of that on this book. So yes, just asking the Holy Spirit to highlight and animate what he needs to for each and every one of us. I think that's great. And I would also just encourage everyone, as I speak to myself as well, that, you know, you might hear things or read things that you're like, oh, that's so good. You want to write it down or whatever it is, but to just try to take one thing that you allow to get rooted into your heart that will bloom into action and change within your life, you know, to let something... I don't know what the word is. I want to say like ferment, but that's not right. But marinate, you know, to, something to <laughs> marinate. You know, it's fine too. Uh, it's probiotics. We're all, we're all about yeah, okay, that. Okay, so, okay. All right, then. You know, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know what, what analogy to use properly, but the point is to let something become rooted within you. I think you Not can just tell good we're ideas, all hungry. Not just within the heart. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Bring it on. Amen. Yes, that's excellent. Both of you, excellent. So, Speaking of being hungry, um, can I jump into my one thing? <laughs> yes, please do. I was okay, just going to so, say that. Yes. So my one thing is um, a recipe that I use all the time for lemon garlic grilled chicken. It is this awesome marinade. It's on Mel's Kitchen Cafe. I'll put the post Mm -hmm. uh, or the link for it in the show notes. But I use this chicken marinade all the time. It's always good every single time for grilled chicken, especially. Yum. So it's going to be in there for you. Everybody needs a good chicken marinade. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Can I have it now? <laughs> How about now? How about now? How about now? <laughs> Sister, what's your one thing? Uh, awesome. My one thing is actually the Institute for Catholic Culture, and I'm taking a philosophy class from them, which is just philosophy 101. It's basic philosophy. But they have so many amazing talks by so many great professors, and they're doing such great work on so many different levels, um, everything from medical mercy to code of justice to penance to all kinds of stuff. And so I just wanted to recommend them that the, my philosophy class, the registration is closed, but they offer that, I think, every year, and this summer they're going to offer a different one. So I just wanted to give a shout out and a much appreciated note of appreciation, that's kind of redundant, but to the Institute for Catholic Culture, and I'll put the link in there if you want to check out their website, and they have a lot of free talks that you can watch by some really great people. So... And my one thing is a fun meal that I made for Catholic Relief Services. It is a little video that has me and my children cooking, um, which is funny, but that we made for their Lenten uh, whole proposal. And so it was a really fun video. And so if you've... How have we not seen this yet? Michelle's cooking show? I know. What? We've been with you this whole time and we had no idea. Yeah, who we don't you? even know you. I don't even know who I am. Okay, well, Gosh. just because I did it last past week. I know, seriously. And so when they asked me, I was like, do you know who you're asking to cook? But it was really fun <laughs> and it was really great. But I love uh, just, yeah, and it really gave a universal view, which, you know, Catholicism means universal. But I really loved it brought something different to our Lent, just diving into Catholic Relief Services and what they do. So That's I will cool. post the link here. That is lovely. Well, maybe, dear friends, we could end our episode today with a quote from Claire on page 160, just as an offering for your heart. She says, say an extra prayer for priest today, suffering priest, lonely priest, overwhelmed priest, the priest who baptized you, the priest who gave you the Eucharist, the priest who prepared you for your first confession and first reconciliation heard your confession. Who knows? The connection may be so powerful that it may reach all the way into eternity and shake you awake at night. God has a way of connecting us like that because he's a good father. So thank you for joining us uh, on our journey and tune in next week when we'll have Claire herself uh, talk about the book and the final chapter. So until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com where you can find all the show notes, links to our one thing, transcripts, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of its content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? 
The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content to you. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through a website called Patreon, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member and you will receive monthly individual videos from Michelle, Heather, and I, as well as other exclusive content, recipes, playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information about Patreon at patreon.com forward slash abiding together. Thank you and God bless you.